All right, Palm Sunday. And what Palm Sunday uh, marks is the day that Jesus uh, moves into the city of Jerusalem at the very end of his earthly uh, ministry. And the crowd goes wild and they uh, wave palm branches and put palm branches on the ground and they put their cloaks, their coats on, on the ground and uh, they allow him to, to walk on the, the coats and the, the palm branches. This is known as his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Now the, the irony of this whole thing is that as Jesus is going in, he knows that despite all the hoopla and the fanfare, he knows that that he's going to then be rejected by the same people who are cheering him on. He knows that he's going to be nailed uh, to a cross later that week. And so next Sunday, Easter Sunday, we celebrate uh, Jesus' resurrection, right? Uh, that Jesus uh, is, is alive and well uh, today and that we don't worship a dead guy, but we worship uh, the risen Lord. And so we celebrate that next week, that, that God decided to come to earth become a man, to incarnate himself, become flesh, dwell among us, and, and live the life that we couldn't live and do so perfectly, and to die the death that we deserve as our substitution in our place, and then resurrect to life, defeating Satan, sin, and death for us. And so that's what we celebrate uh, next week. And then he offers us his righteousness. So it's just an, an incredible thing. And that was his mission as, as God-man on the earth, Jesus, uh, was to execute justice and to provide salvation uh, for us to the glory of, of God the Father and for our, our good. And so Jesus uh, came to earth as a man on a mission. You need to understand that he was a man on a mission. God, man, on a mission. And so as we jump into our text tonight, I, I want us to, to listen just in, in complete awe of, of Jesus, this, this God, man, on a mission. And so turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Uh, 28 through 44 is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, we have uh, Bibles in the seats here, and you can use one of those. And if you don't have one of your very own at home, please take that home and keep it. Uh, it's our gift to you. We'd be glad for you to have that. What we're going to do is we're going to kind of walk through the, the, the story of the triumphal entry tonight and uh, learn from the heart of Jesus as he's just going as a man on a mission uh, to, to do this work. And so um, Luke 19, 28 through 44, we'll read it in just a second, but I want to get I want us to get the context here of what's going on. Understand that uh, before this passage that we're uh, about to read, uh, really uh, 700 years prior to this date, uh, the the prophet Isaiah foretells that the Messiah uh, would come into Israel and that he would be rejected and that he would be killed. 400 years prior to this date, uh, God stopped sending those prophets of the Old Testament. Uh, then 33 years uh, prior to this date, God's silence is broken with the, a multitude of, of heavenly hosts, of angels in the sky declaring that the, the Messiah has come, the Savior of the world has been born. Three and a half years from this date, John the baptizer uh, saw Jesus and he called him the Lamb of God who takes away uh, the sin of the world using that Old Testament uh, language and imagery. Uh, three years ago from this date, Jesus meets with Nicodemus and he tells Nicodemus that he has descended from heaven and that he will also ascend back to heaven. Then one year from this entry into Jerusalem, Jesus tells his followers that he would be killed by Jewish leaders uh, and, and he would then rise again after 
three days. And then today, we see Jesus go into Jerusalem where it's all going to go down. All this stuff that, that history has been moving towards, it all kind of culminates in, in, in this week ahead. And so he, as he goes into the city, they, they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And so let's read it. Luke 19, we'll read 28 uh, through 36 for starters. It says, and when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount, which is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. And so those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. Let's stop there. Now, uh, for some time, the the ministry of Jesus now has been moving towards uh, the city of Jerusalem, where Jesus would then do his great work on the cross. And, And he's gearing up to go in, he's making the preparations, and it is time. His life on earth, his incarnation, was not simply to do all the things that he had done up to this point in his ministry. It wasn't simply just to be a great teacher where people were amazed or astonished. Uh, Scripture will tell us in Matthew at his teaching. It wasn't simply uh, to be a great example for us. It wasn't simply to teach us what it looks like to sacrificially love. Uh, What Jesus was really moving forward to uh, ultimately was that it was all going to really go down in this city as foretold long ago that he was going to uh, die here in, in Jerusalem. So this, this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, it, it's told in all four of the gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and John. And each of the, the gospels give a, a kind of a little piece to the story, and so we'll kind of piece some of those things together uh, today. We see that Jesus was staying in, in Bethphage and Bethany, and, and the book of John will tell us that, that just before uh, going into Jerusalem uh, in, in Bethany, Jesus was having dinner with Lazarus. Some of you, you've heard of, of Lazarus, Lazarus, who he had recently resurrected from the dead. He's having dinner with him along with Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha. And, and John tells us that there, there were crowds of people coming uh, to, to, to see Jesus and also to see the dead guy who's back alive, Lazarus, after four days. And we're not talking about CPR, massage his heart, and it starts beating again. We're talking about he was dead buried, mummified. I mean, he was, he was completely out four days, and Jesus says, Lazarus, come out, and he's alive. And, and so people wanted to see this, and I, and I point this out to you to see that. So, so in Bethany, uh, Jesus is really kind of at the pinnacle of his celebrity in his life. I mean, he is at the, the peak of that. And so he could have stayed a little bit longer. He could have signed more autographs. He could have done more miracles. He could have done more teaching or preaching more. I mean, if, if people were, were going to be receptive, I mean, now was the time. I mean, they're, they're seeing Lazarus face to face, this guy who everybody knew was dead, and now he's, he's alive. And he could have just hung out and kept doing incredible things and signed autographs and done his whole deal. But understand that he had somewhere to go. He had somewhere to be. He was a man on a mission. He had something to do. He was going to lay his life down for you and I, for the glory of God. He was going to sacrifice it all as our death row replacement on the cross. He was a man on a mission. That's why in verse 28 he says, he went on ahead. 
He could have stayed, but he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. He was, he was ready to roll. He was, he was not just a teacher. He was more than a teacher. He was not just a prophet. He was more than a prophet. Uh, he was not just a healer. He was more than a healer. He was going to be the sacrificial lamb, as John said, who takes away the, the sin of the world, that he would be slaughtered. And he knew it, and he embraced it. And he said, I've got to get there. We've got to get this done. It's time to do some business. And I don't know about you. But I would be stalling, right? I would be in Bethany stalling. Now, uh, my parents are in town, by the way. So if you haven't met them, they're, they're back here. And uh, you'll have to meet them afterwards. But, but they can testify that I was a staller growing up, right? When it was time, I got in trouble. And it was time for me to, you know, kind of get a little uh, smack on the booty. You know, it was, I was a staller, right? Uh, so, Mom, b- before, you, uh, bef- before you do it... Uh, how, how was your day, <laughs> right? Like, you just stall so we don't have to get, you know, disciplined. Or uh, I was also not only a staller, I was a stuffer. And so, uh, you know, remember the little golden books? Uh, I would take the little golden books and shove them down the backside. And, uh, it, it w- yeah, it wasn't very effective because it didn't sound like, you know, booty. But it was, uh, it was hard. And anyhow, so I got busted with that too. I was a staller and a stuffer. But listen, Jesus, he knew where he was going. He said, I have to get this done. I- I'm going uh, to, to die on the cross. He's a man on a mission. But, but understand this, that, that Jesus is a man on a mission, but he also calls us to be a people on mission. And so my prayer uh, is that tonight that, that God would really kind of recalibrate us and help us remember you know, why we're here, that we are here for his glory and for his purposes and to be a people on mission. And so uh, be, be very mindful of that, that he has given us a mission, a great commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, that we are called to, to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded us. And he says, and I'll be with you to the end of the age. And so that's, that's our mission. Let me just remind you of that. I don't know how distracted you, you were coming into this place tonight, all the other things that you're thinking I have to go do and be this week. But let's be mindful of, of the mission that he's given us. He was a man on a mission, but we're called to be uh, a people on mission. Remember, uh, throughout his ministry, Jesus constantly said, the Father has sent me, the Father has sent me, the, the Father has sent me. And then in John chapter 20, verse 21, after it all went down, he fulfilled the mission, the cross, and then the resurrection. Uh, then he's, he's speaking to the disciples who he's appeared to as a resurrected God, right? He, he, he speaks to them and he says, as the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. So, so we too are called to be a, a people on mission, just as Jesus here is a man on a mission. And I don't know about you, but that empowers me. And that, that really empowers me, that we're not here simply to live mundane lives and just get by, but we are here with a great purpose, with a great commission, with, with he, he's got you where you're at, in the home you're living in, no matter how difficult it is, he's got you in the neighborhood you're living in, in the school you're going to, in the town you're at, the city you're at, he's got you here for a, a reason, right, and that, that should empower you, and so the question, I guess, is will you obey Jesus, who says, even so, I'm sending you, I was on a mission, I accomplished it. Now he's seated at the right hand of the Father as, as a, a picture of it's done. But now he's, he's sending us. Well, some might say, come on, Josh. I mean, he was Jesus. And so, of course, he's focused. He's, he's doing his thing, and he's executing it very well. But remember, 
Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, this is known as his, uh, just before his high priestly prayer where he prays, he's about to go to the cross and, and he's praying for us. In John chapter 16, he tells us, listen, I will send you a helper. I will, I will give you my spirit. And so it's not just go do it just like I did because we, we could easily say, well, I, well, of course I can't. But he says, I, I know you can't, but I'm going to enliven you with my spirit, uh, my, my helper, the, the Holy Spirit. And it's so easy for us to to think about the Holy Spirit as kind of, you know, that, that one part of the Trinity that's just kind of in the closet back there, and we don't really, you know, he, he's just, we, we call the Holy Spirit it for some reason, and he's a, he's a he, he's a person, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he is with us, right? And so it's not go on the mission alone, but let's go on the mission empowered by uh, the, the Spirit of God. Also be mindful of the fact that, that Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says, I will build my church, which is the collective unit of his disciples, the fulfillment of the Great Commission. It says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so understand that by, by being on, on, on mission, you already know the end of the story. You know that his promise will be fulfilled. He said, I, I will build my church. And so we can be confident in, in his promise, we can be confident that we're investing our lives if we're really living out this mission in something that he says will happen. I mean, how cool would that be for other ventures in our lives? I don't, I don't know uh, uh, where you're at, but I, I've been here. Maybe you've invested in something in the past in your life that just totally flopped, right? Maybe it was a business venture. Uh, maybe it was some kind of organization that you thought, I'll be a part of it. Maybe you thought it was, I don't know, a, a project that you just poured a lot of energy into. Maybe it was even a relationship. You poured a lot into it. You invested a lot, and, and it just totally flopped. You, know, you put in your, your heart into these things. You put in your, 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 your resources sometimes and your, your time and, and your energy and a lot of your passion. So there's all kinds of emotion wrapped up into it, only for it to not work out. Just, have you ever been there? It just feels awful just feels like wasted time and wasted effort and you're burnt out. It just feels awful and exhausting. But with Jesus' mission, our mission, we, we can know the end of the story. He says, I will build my church and not even hell can prevail against it. It, it will be accomplished. And so we're promised success. And, and we might not even see it in this lifetime, but we can know that we're, we're serving his purposes and, and it will be victorious. We're investing in something that is, is, is incredible, that we're investing our heart, our resources, our time, our energy, our, our passion into something that Christ says uh, it, it's a worthy cause and, and it will be victorious. And you're not alone in it. You have each other, the church, who are unified by the Holy Spirit, the helper that he, he gives us. And so I'm, I'm really glad that, that on our mission we have him, we have each other, and we have the end of the story. Really cool. And so invest your life in that. Are you, are you focused on that mission tonight? Do you come in here? Are you focused on the mission that, that, that he has us on? Or are you just really completely uh, distracted? I, I love looking at uh, Luke 19 here and, and looking at all the other gospel accounts to kind of give some of the context. And, and Jesus is like, hey, let's get a move on it. I got somewhere to go. I got something to do. We're going to the cross, right? There's no stalling. It is time. The fullness of time has come. It's, it's time for me to go to the cross. And uh, I don't know, are, are, your, are your eyes focused on that? I mean, daily, just really focused on that. Are you fighting, because I know the world pulls against that, are you fighting 
to keep your eyes focused on the, the prize, right? Focused on the goal as you run the race, as Paul said throughout the course of uh, the book of, of Philippians. You focused on that. Or as Jesus could have been, are you even distracted by the crowds who demand you and, and they want you to perform? And of course they wanted Jesus to do more miracles and they served their, their purpose and he could have stayed and, and done more. Uh, but for, for us, it kind of looks like maybe our mission becomes performing for other people. Maybe your mission becomes, uh, you know, building a great por- portfolio for yourself or to look good before other people. Maybe it, it becomes just pleasing people, whether it be a man or a woman or a boss or a, a, a professor. I don't know. Maybe uh, you, you feel the pressure to perform for them rather than for the Lord. Maybe it's uh, building a retirement fund or something that you're looking towards. And, and so you're, you're, you're investing in that, but you're not investing in the mission at all. Or maybe it's, I want to go travel the world, but I won't even travel to my neighbor who Jesus tells me to love as much as I love my, myself. I mean, we, we can easily get distracted from the mission on uh, things right there in front of us that are, are good. Right? But we need to be focused uh, more than anything on the mission, and, and we've got to get on the mission. Go and make disciples. And he was on the mission. He said, it's time to go. Let's roll. Go into Jerusalem. Now, he sends two of his disciples ahead of him. And he says, I want you to go and I want you to get a cult, right? I want you to get a, a, a cult and one that has, has never been sat on. He, he'll, be, uh, he'll be tied up and I want you to untie it and I want you to bring it to me. And if anyone says, hey, that's my cult, then you can say the Lord has need of it. I don't know if that's a, a, a real you know, great excuse that, that, that uh, was acceptable to them, but that's exactly what happens, right? So in Boston, we have carjackings. In Palestine, they have cult jackings, uh, and Jesus was uh, uh, an offender, right, I guess. But uh, this is a direct fulfillment of Zechariah uh, chapter 9, 9 and 10. Uh, and it says, Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey. And so he's fulfilling uh, the, the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. And our, our Jewish friends today have, have missed Jesus, the Messiah, they're waiting for some kind of spectacular entrance into the world, into society, gold and chariots and lavish living. But in their uh, Tanakh, our Old Testament, uh, Zechariah prophesies that, that righteous and uh, humble is he, right? Uh, mounted on uh, a donkey. I mean, it says he's going to come in humble like that. And he did, and they missed it. So now let's read 1936 uh, through 40. It says, and as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And he was drawing near already uh, on the way down to the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and, and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. All right. So he's, he's pressing forward with his mission. He's going, right? And as he's moving forward, they begin to carpet the ground in, in front of him with their cloaks, uh, it says here. Uh, John and Mark and Matthew, the other gospel writers, uh, say that they, they laid out and they waved uh, these palm branches, as we see over my shoulder here, uh, hence Palm Sunday, and uh, coats and palm branches are, are, are laid out for him. That's a, a sign of respect. It's a sign of submission to him as their, their, their king. 
and understand that palm branches were a, kind of a national symbol for uh, the, the, the people. And uh, these, these worshipers of God were beginning to really get it, that he was their long-awaited uh, Jewish uh, king, the Davidic king, and he would eventually rule over Jerusalem. And so they, they have him walking on top of a Jewish national symbol. You understand that they're, 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 they're showing that uh, this submission to him, their people, as, as he is, is the king. And so as he's walking into Jerusalem, uh, many were hoping that he was going to come into that city. He was going to whip up on Rome who was oppressing them and taxing them ridiculously. They were hoping that he, and, and assuming that he was going to come in there and whip up on, on Roman rule, that he was going to be this political and military King Jesus and, and lead Israel to their independence. And that was coming later, uh, but, but, but they're expecting that now. And so as he descends along this western side of the Mount of Olives, they carpet the ground before him and they start uh, chanting and singing and saying, uh, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And so you see they're starting to get pieces of it, right? They're, they're, they're getting pieces of it. Yes, Jesus had come on behalf of God, and, and because he had come on behalf of, of, of the Lord, uh, John 14, he says that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Colossians chapter 1, 15 uh, will tell us that, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the, the Father. So he is God, right? And, and they're getting pieces of it. They're praising him. Uh, and 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 they're they're saying Hosanna Hosanna in the highest. The other other gospels will record, which is quoted uh, is, is really a quote from Psalm one eighteen. And, and Hosanna for them was it was a request, and it was also a, a praise. It was a request for for God to to save them, but it was also a praise for the fact that hey, He could save them, and only He could could save them. And, and so they're worshiping Him, but they're understand they're worshiping Him. Only in, in part that he wasn't at this time going to uh, defeat Rome, who had been oppressing them. Uh, they were thinking so short-sighted; they were having kind of very temporary thinking. But that he was going to defeat something so much bigger. He was going to defeat Satan and and sin and death. And so they worship with cloaks and palms and quoting Bible psalms. Uh, but John twelve sixteen, uh, Jesus says uh, it says that the disciples uh, didn't understand at first. But later, when he was glorified, speaking of the, the resurrection, that then they remembered. And so they didn't quite get it here, but in time, they, they would get it after the, the resurrection. They worshipped in, in part, and then eventually later, it would, it would uh, click. And, and you know, that's kind of how the, the ministry of Jesus went on this earth. He was very misunderstood while walking the earth. Uh, he was, he was uh, misunderstood about his miracles, about a lot of what he was, he was teaching, but it was only after the resurrection that many people really understood uh, some of the teachings and the things that he had said prior to that. Kind of like the, the Roman centurion, right, who during the crucifixion, uh, he, he was nailing him to the cross, and then he says, truly, uh, this man was the son of God. And a lot of people didn't get it until he accomplished uh, the mission. And so he's descending down the, the west side of the Mount of Olives. People are worshiping him, but they're not worshiping him with, with complete understanding. And, and I don't know, maybe some of you, even here tonight, you're worshiping the Lord, and you're singing the songs, and you really have good motives in your heart, like you worship him, but you're not worshiping with complete understanding that Jesus is the only way for you to have life and life eternally. You're not worshiping him fully understanding that he is your everything, that he is your 
hope. And so maybe you've even come here singing songs, but worshiping in part like the people uh, there uh, that day. And so I pray that, that you would really understand who he is, that he is God in the flesh, that he says, I am the way, the truth, uh, the life. You must put faith in, in him alone for salvation to be made right with him. Also, I would say this for all of us, even uh, the Christians in the room, that, that we need to be very careful uh, to let our worship uh, be informed worship when we, when we sing songs. They were, they were worshiping God for the immediate, uh, not for the eternal. And so they were, they were off a, a little bit. And, and we need to be really informed about what we sing. You know, like a song, for example, that frustrates me, that's uh, very popular in the church, especially like in the 90s, uh, is a song called This Is The Air I Breathe, right? And it has people singing, uh, you are my, my daily bread, right? Your very word spoken to me is my daily bread. And I just I remember singing that song and kind of feeling like, seriously? I don't know that Jesus is, and his scripture is, is anybody in this room's daily bread? Maybe he's their monthly bread, right? Like maybe they open the scriptures once a week, but, but is he really become your daily bread? And so we, we sing songs so often just just not even really understanding and thinking through, what, is, what am I actually saying? I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying a prayer. I'm, I'm saying the intention of my heart. Am I off a little bit? They were off. And so uh, even for us Christians in the room, let's be very careful uh, to sing songs uh, that are informed. Otherwise, we're, we're guilty of what Jesus says in Matthew 15, 8, uh, where he says that these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are, are, are far from me. So be very mindful uh, when, you're, when you're singing songs of worship that you're, your worship is uh, in, in form. And so one commitment that we have as a, as a church is that we don't want to just sing songs because they're casual or, 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 or current or because we, we, we like them. But we want to sing songs that really reflect our hearts, reflect where we're trying to go as a church and the truth of God and the character of God. So we seek to be very uh, informed in our worship and are very careful with the selection of songs. And so as he descends Mount of Olives here, uh, they, were, they were praising him and they were even quoting scripture but they didn't quite uh, they didn't quite get it right john says they didn't get it till uh, later on after the resurrection but jesus lets them declare doesn't he He lets them declare because there was truth in that that he is the king who comes in the name of the lord right peace in heaven and glory in the highest hosanna hosanna in the highest and then verse 39 what happens look at verse 39 some of the pharisees in the crowd said to him teacher rebuke your disciples they are ticked Right? They, they are not happy about what's going on. Understand that these guys knew their Bible well. They, they, they were thinking here, he has staged a Zechariah chapter 9. What's he doing right now? They, they got it. Here he is coming in humble on a donkey, bringing salvation. Jesus, shut him up. Shut him up. They, they, were, they were ticked. And, and then Jesus, what does he do? He rebukes them. He says, listen, if they don't declare... Even the, the rocks are going to sing my praise. Listen, I am God, and I will get the glory. And so you, you should let them declare, because it, it's not going to stop. Even if you shut them up, it's not going to stop. I am God. I am glorious. Now understand, here's what's going up to this point in, in, in his ministry. Uh, Jesus didn't openly uh, refer uh, be, let himself be referred to as the Messiah because it would have caused uh, a, a ruckus you know, prematurely so he couldn't accomplish the things that he was seeking to accomplish. But now he's, he's allowing it. He's allowing them to acknowledge him as Messiah. He's even in, encouraging it. And so he's, he's, he's going into Jerusalem making sure that no one is mistaken, right? I am the long-awaited Messiah. 
And, and it's going to enrage many of these people uh, who are then going to kill me. Uh, but that's why I'm here. I'm, I'm here uh, to be killed on your behalf. He was a man on a mission. And they were, they were um, struggling with the fact that he's declaring, yes, I am the Messiah. Right? And so some are worshiping. Some are scowling at him. And I think that's a pretty good picture of our, of our culture today. Right? Some are worshiping him. And some are scowling at him. And uh, we want to be on the worshiping side for sure. Now, 1941 through 44. He says, And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that were made for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. I want to land the plane um, with this this section here. Uh, It's very uh, beautiful and I think it's very appropriate uh, for our context where we're sitting even today. I want us to get this image that, that, again, Jesus is descending, and he's riding in kind of on a, on a red carpet of cloaks and palm branches. They're loudly singing his praises. They're, they're worshiping him only in part and, and, and misinformed in triumph and thinking that he's going to come and be their military political uh, victor. And, and as he comes along the western side of the mount, he sees the city, and bam, he's just overcome with emotion, and he just wept over it. He just wept over it. We're not talking, he just shed a little tear. The word uh, here means wailing aloud. He is wailing aloud over this city. He's sobbing, and he says, if you you only knew this day uh, meant for for peace, but judgment is going to come, and this place will be destroyed, because you didn't know the, the, the time of your visitation. The day that God came to give you life, you didn't know it, and so judgment is, is coming. He just wept. We just see this beautiful picture of the, the compassion of Jesus. I'm coming to do this for you, and you're going to reject it, and he's wailing aloud. And so he, he both weeps and he declares his judgment in this, this same uh, statement here. And we need to see that, that Jesus is both compassionate and he's also, he's also holy, right? That, that Jesus uh, must declare judgment because he is just. He is perfectly just. But he also uh, saves because he is uh, compassionate. He's compassionate. He looks upon us and he's broken for where we're headed. And, and his justice, uh, history tells us that later in, in AD 70, Jerusalem fell because they re- rejected him, right? Um, verse 42, that that he came for peace, but they rejected him. He wasn't surprised by it, but he was heartbroken over it, right? Nothing that happens catches the Lord by surprise, but he's also very compassionate and loving and, and heartbroken. And so his tears are, are, are wetting this, this red carpet before him um, that he rode on because he was so compassionate uh, for the city. And I want us to, to, to kind of begin to wrap up just just meditating on this a little bit, just thinking on verse 41, that he saw the city and, and he wept over it. And, and for us as Christians, that we are 
are, are called also to be on the same mission as, as Jesus? And are, are you at the place where, where you really have that kind of compassion and that kind of love and that kind of heartache over people who reject the Lord, over people who are far from God? Do you look at them with that kind of compassion? I remember I was, uh, I think I was in uh, late elementary school and I had a, uh, a guy at a church just say something to me. He said, you know, one of the, the, the craziest prayers I ever prayed was, God, give me the eyes of Jesus. And he said, I dare you to pray it. It'll change your world. And so I, I remember, I think I was like fourth or fifth grade, really started seriously praying, God, give me the eyes of Jesus. Give me the eyes of Jesus. Kind of halfway being scared about that. Uh, what does that mean when I see people the way Jesus sees them? Um, but I tell you what, if you pray that prayer, God, give me the eyes of Jesus. Give me the eyes of Jesus. You start to see people differently. You don't, start, you don't see people as, hey, that person's such a jerk to me. You see people as, what's going on in their heart that's causing them to be a, a jerk to me? You don't see people as, oh, he's so arrogant, so full of himself. But you say, what is it that's causing them to be so arrogant and full of themselves? They're, they're trying to, 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 to be God, and it's going to fail them. And, and you become broken for people. You see the oppressed, and you're broken for them because you say, I want to have the eyes of Jesus. And, and you begin to to weep over, over people who are far from God. He weeps over these people. It's interesting to see that, that he sees the city, and he weeps over uh, the city, right? Uh, there's, there, it's kind of an important theme, I think, in the Scriptures, this, this, this theme of, of city, right? that Jesus weeps over the city of, of Jerusalem. You know where we're heading, right? That heaven is it's a, it's a, it's a city, right? Revelation chapter 21, uh, for those of us who place faith in Christ alone, we're going to be in, in a city. Verse 23 in Revelation there tells us that the city will not be lit by the sun or, or the moon, but the city will be lit by the glory of, of God, that, that the lamp is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of, of the world. And, and I want us to, as we're even sitting here in Boston t- tonight, uh, just think through city, this idea of city. And, you know, the characteristics of of living in a city is uh, our density and diversity, right? And that's what, what heaven's going to be like, right? It's going to be dense of, of people who are, are worshiping the Lord, and it's going to be diverse, people from all over the world. Our, our commission is what? Our, our mission is what? To make disciples of all, all nations, right? All ethnos, meaning not just nations in terms of political boundaries, but people groups within those nations. That that's where we're going to be. For eternity, worshiping in diversity. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. And Jesus is very passionate, I think, about the city. Paul, as we've looked through uh, his, his journey through the book of Philippians over the past, uh, all of 2012 uh, so far, we've seen that, that he was very strategic about the city because it was dense and he could reach the most people uh, in the city. And he was very passionate as it was a very strategic place uh, for ministry. And I want us to be passionate about the city. I want us to really understand that where we're at today is in a place that is unbelievably diverse. Rosendale is one of the most diverse neighborhoods in all of Boston. And so we're in a very, very diverse place. I think about my, my son's school. His class has uh, a couple Jamaican kids, my little white boy son. And then we have, uh, there, there's some kids that are from Africa. 
there uh, is a little girl from France. It's just incredible. Uh, a Chinese kid, just diversity, right? What a cool opportunity for us to reach the nations right here in this city. What a cool opportunity that we can walk out of these doors and come before church and hang out at the parks around us. And there's, there's dense people, right? Scriptures tell us that, that it will be streets paved with gold, right? Not dirt roads made of crumbled up gold rocks. It will be streets paved of gold. And we're not going to live in mansions that are in seclusion in the boonies, but we're going to be dense in our mansions uh, among each other. It's going to be this deep, close-knit, intimate living that we're moving towards. That's our eternity, the new heavens and, and, and the new earth. And, and, and I understand that not everybody in the world can live in urban centers, but understand that over the past few years, we've made a really amazing shift in history, that for the first time in human history, we've shifted toward, towards the majority of human population is in urban centers. For the first time, we've, we've passed 50% living in urban centers. And so it's very, very strategic. And, and just seeing Jesus weep over this city is a beautiful, beautiful picture. I, I think back to Acts chapter 17, when Paul goes into Athens, which was his educational capital of the world. And obviously, we're in an educational capital of our world that he weeps over the city of Athens, right? His, his heart, it says his spirit is provoked within him at the city that was full of, of idols, right? And so I want us to have that kind of heart as we think on Boston. It's not just a place that I'm here for a few years and then I'm out because school's over. It's not just a place I'm going to live for a little while and then when I have kids because it's too expensive, I'm out of here. But I pray that God will really stir us and give us the kind of hearts that say, you know what? This is a strategic place for the mission of God and I want to impact this place, and I want to serve this place, and I want to, I want to have longevity in this place because it's a, it's a very important place for um, New England uh, and for America, and I want to impact this place for the glory of God. I want us to be a people who are very uh, city-minded in terms of how we live, that we live not in seclusion, that we move from back porch sitting uh, to front stoop sitting. In other words, we're not just kind of in seclusion in our backyards all the time, if you notice the, the trend in, in, in the culture over the past 30, 40 years went from big wraparound front porches to back porches with walls and fences so nobody can see us, right? Versus let's, let's get to know our neighbors. Let's, let's walk the sidewalks and get to know people and love them and serve them and, and care for them. And we want to be that kind of people, that we want to get to know our community. We want to get to know our neighbors. We want to serve our city. We want to be a Jesus presence in our city. We don't want to be... Um, changed by the city we also don't want to be against the city we want to be for the city we want to help the city and serve the city um, as as a as a jesus presence here right? and so be mindful of the fact that jesus was on a mission he comes he weeps over the city that will reject him that will nail him to the cross that will be destroyed ad 70 he weeps over the city be mindful of that that was his example to us and in john twenty twenty one, he says as the father has sent me on this mission even so, I am sending you. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. And my prayer is that we leave tonight with, with a heart focused on the, on the mission that God has for us. That we leave tonight recalibrated as to why we're here. We're not here just for school. We're not here just for career. We're not here just to raise a family. We're not here just to be leeches in our culture, but we are here to be a Jesus presence and to be on his mission to make disciples 
right? We are here with a guaranteed end that he will build his church if we do what he's called us to do. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's our mission. And so let's go tonight out on that mission, focused on it. Because Jesus came to lay down his life for us. And because we've been given so much from him, now it's our call to, to go on that mission and to, to share that with other people. And so let's not hoard the blessing, but let's give the blessing uh, to others. John twenty twenty one. peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you so much for what it means that, that you came into Jerusalem knowing what was going to go down and that you died. God, we thank you so much that without your death, we're still in the place where we would have to, to pay the price for our sin. But God, we are so grateful that you went in, you accomplished your mission, you died for our sin. But because you're God and because you're victorious over all things and death has no hold on you, you resurrect to life. That the very one who we stabbed in the back is also the only one who can save us. And so you saved us. Thank you, God. God, I pray for anyone in this room tonight who has never trusted you as Lord, who has never acknowledged their sin and need for a Savior, and then turned to you as the only way. And, and said yes to Jesus. I want to follow you. I want to I uh, receive your forgiveness of all that sin. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. Lord, do your work in their hearts. May tonight in this time, may they turn from Satan, sin, and death and turn to you. May they really realize just how much they needed you to go into that city and to lay it all down. Thank you, Lord. And do your work in their hearts. And for us as Christians, Father, would you refocus us on the mission? That we would leave challenged uh, to, to be a people who love others as much as we love ourselves. We're understanding that you, uh, you loved us so much that you, you gave your, your son, that you died for us, Father. Thank you. And may we live that out. Thank you for the night. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what Palm Sunday means. In Jesus' name we pray.